Hey everybody, welcome to the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's new film podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. This week, Halle Berry opening up about her early days in Hollywood as a woman of color. Then, her fascination with women's MMA fighting. And then later, Elizabeth Moss revealing the real-life inspiration for her work as a rock star in her latest movie, Her Smell. It's all coming up on The Big Ticket. Stay tuned. Introducing the new Verizon Business Unlimited plans. Now you can pick a plan for as low as $30 a month per line with AutoPay. Get 5G nationwide, plus massive data capacity, plus spam blocking features. And with Verizon Business Unlimited, you can mix and match the right plans for your business so you get more of what you need and none of what you don't. From Verizon, the network businesses rely on. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities on most VZ 5G devices. Monthly per line pricing with 5 plus lines on Biz Unlimited Start. Device payment, smartphone purchase, auto pay and paper free billing required. Terms apply. I've got one word for you. Tom Cruise. On this new weekly podcast, Meeting Tom Cruise, we're going to talk about Tom Cruise. We're going to talk to people who have met Tom Cruise. Why? Because Tom Cruise is the greatest movie star of all time. Is he, though? Shut your mouth. Everyone who has met him has an amazing story to tell. And that's where I met Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. When I hear the bathroom door open, and it's Tom Cruise. Hey, everybody, I'm Jeff Meacham. You might know me as Josh Openhold from TV's Blackish, and I'm here with the Goose to My Maverick. Hey, I'm Joel Johnstone, and you might know me as Archie and the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I'm Alec Lev, and you might... Nope, no one knows you from anything. Listen, we love Tom Cruise. We are inspired by Tom Cruise. But while we live and work in Hollywood, we've never actually met Tom Cruise. So we're going to talk to some people who have, and maybe one of them will lead us to the man himself, so we can have our own stories of meeting Tom Cruise. Does it really have to just be about Tom Cruise? Shut up! Why are you here? Listen to Meeting Tom Cruise on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Now, Halle Barry. I sat down with the Oscar winner while she was promoting her new movie, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Hi, Halle Barry. Hi. How are you? I'm well. I've got bronchitis, so I'm going to tell you the truth. I've been better. <laughs> oh, no. I'm happy to be here with you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I am. We're not shaking hands. No. I'm not giving air you a hug. <laughs> fist bumping. What makes you keep going when you have bronchitis? Why didn't you call me sick? Uh, work ethic. Oh, good. <laughs> it's my job. So John Wick 3, how did you get involved with this movie? You get a phone call, they want you for John Wick. What do you say? No, that's not how it happened <laughs> at all. I get a phone call from my agent and my manager saying, uh, they're doing a third installment of John Wick. Did you ever see John Wick 1 and 1? I mean, 1 and 2? I said, Oh my God, I love it. What do you mean did I ever see it? Of course I saw it. I love it. They're making a three? They said, yeah, and there's a possibly a role for a badass female. Would you be interested? I said, call up Chad right now and get a meeting for me. I have to be in this movie. Why do you love John Wick so much? When I first saw you know, John Wick 1, what I loved was the world building, the world that was created. I was interested, I was intrigued, and what were these undercover assassins and these markers and this fealty and this you know, consequences for your action, and where was this world, and who are these people? <laughs> you know, It was fascinating. But I also loved that the action was so real. It was real live action in the time of CG and um, you know, comic book movies. 
so much of it, you know, wasn't real. And I had been a part of those movies where mm-hmm. I did some of the action, but a lot of it was done f- with a computer for me. Mm. But when I saw John Wick and I saw what Keanu and the other performers, what they were doing, I thought, wow, I think he's really doing that. <laughs> and then I looked at some behind the scenes footage and I saw all the training he went through and I realized, oh, he is. He's really doing this. How amazing. I had so much respect for him and the whole franchise. So when it came to three, I wanted to do that. And you hear the bones cracking. Like oh. <laughs> it's really like every time. Breaking. And bones right, breaking. breaking. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about, it's a little spoiler alert, but I'm just going to go there. Your Uh-oh. battle scene, your fight scene, do you know how many men you killed in that scene? I do not. <laughs> I'm sure Chad does. I mean, <laughs> I, I do tried not. to keep count last night because I've tried to keep count in the other movies and I never count. Right. So I got up to Casablanca. I had about 15. 15 guys had been killed. But as soon as you guys went, yeah. it was just literally, I, I couldn't keep track. I know. I know. Me either. And you not only kill them, but you make sure to shoot them in the head, not once, but twice. As I'm told, that's called a double tap. Yeah, it's called a double tap. Now, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> You know, I'm like, you're point blank right on his head. You have to do it again. It's the John Wick way. (laughs) How much fun is it? Not, it sounds weird, but killing these guys. I mean, it must be fun. Like you just take that gun and it's just the power. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's not real. (laughs) And we're all aware that it's not real. I, I don't think I could ever really shoot anybody. Uh, which is why I don't have a gun, because they say you don't have a gun if you're not going to use it. <laughs> and and I, I wouldn't use it. So uh, it's it's make-believe, yeah. you know? It, it's, and I, it's not real. And sort of what you were saying before, the, the fight sequences and the stunts are real, but they're so over the top. Yeah. But at the same time, you feel like they're real, but it's like obviously Keanu Reeves, this dude was not going to be able to survive everything that's happened to the poor thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's not real. We live, it's this surreal, heightened reality, this fantasy world that Chad's created. And so, yeah, the killing is not real, but all of the martial arts, you know, is strung together like a beautiful ballet, like a dance. And like when you're watching a great performance on stage of dancers, it's real, but it's not real. They're creating a world that's also not real for the audience, but the moves that they're performing are real. That's kind of how we look at our, as performers in, in, in John Wick in this action movie. And when you're, when you're having these fight scenes, not your fight scene in particular, but when they were fighting, what was it, Grand Central Station? Yeah. None of the commuters are aware of what's going on. <laughs> I know. And that's sort of a, Chad will tell you about that, an homage to one of his favorite filmmakers, where that's, those are the little subtleties that kind of let you know we're not in the real world. And then There's, I'm like, is this another world that's happening while our world is happening? It's a good question, right? It is. I think we should explore that in John Wick 4. (laughs) So John Wick 4. Let's talk about John Wick 4 because Sophia has to come back. Oh, baby. Sophia would have to come back, don't you think? (laughs) Yes. I mean, she's got a story to tell. There's some history between she and Keanu. Mm -hmm. Something has gone down. So are you signed for number four? I'm not signed, but I would sign. (laughs) I think we have to get through three. And and if the audience, you know, if they love this like we all love it, um, and there's... Uh, demand for for I, I'd be there in a heartbeat. And those dogs. Let's talk about those German oh, shepherds. Yeah. Are they the sweetest things? Yes and no. 
Were you scared of them? <laughs> no. No. I was never scared of them. I met them. I trained with them for about six months, and I met them when they were little. Like they were, they're still puppies when wow. I met them. So I kind of grew with them a little bit. They got to know me. I got to know them, and they really revered me as one of their trainers, like the trainer. They just oh, thought wow. I was a trainer. Uh, and uh, but I had great respect for them because I saw the power. I saw what they could do, and I learned about the Belgian Malinois and what they're built to do. They're, you know built to be attack dogs they work with you know special forces special services and uh they're built to work and mm. when these dogs had to sit around and do nothing that's when it was hard for them mm. you know they don't like to sit there and you know you scratch their tummy they really want to work <laughs> they want to do something very active did you take them home with you afterwards i mean you no. brought them up as little puppies don't no my little them? my labradoodles might be a little <laughs> jealous i have two australian labradoodles <laughs> No, you know what? Here's a funny thing. Since I, when I was learning all of my dog training on John Wick, I took those same principles and applied them to my doodles. I have attack doodles now. I do. My. Do you put a harness on them and put guns under them? No, <laughs> no, no. But I do have two doodles, doodles. that can protect me. Doodles. Really, pr doodles. They're la they got lab in there. I'm sorry, but if no. someone's coming after you no. and you tell a doodle to go attack no. them. That person's going to laugh. Okay, you can come to my house and try to attack me, and your ass won't be laughing when you leave. Okay? It'd be embarrassing. Your what? ass is going to be bit up, and you might be without your balls. Holly Barry just talked about my balls. Well, you, well, you see in the movie, my I dogs just go for crotch shots. No, the whole movie goes for crotch shots. You went for well, crotch shots. Yeah. Keanu went for crotch shots, mm -hmm. which made me realize, like, in every fight sequence, why don't people go for the men's balls more? Because that's how you really take them down. It's the real place you go. Because <laughs> Wick World is real in that in that sense. Like, what would you really go for on, on a man? I mean, I can't think of a weaker spot. Can you? This is just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Feel a little pain down there, do you, right now? Yeah, I'm just really uncomfortable. My legs are crossed, and I don't know what to do with myself right now. <laughs> Um, do you want your own big action movie, something like this, like Sophia Wick? If the audiences ask for that, you know, if that's something they think would be interesting to see, I mean, who wouldn't, for sure. I, I, I loved getting into the skin of this character and challenging myself the way this character forced me to challenge myself, so, of course. And now we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Hallie is opening up about her early days in Hollywood as a woman of color. Okay, let's go. So we're supposed to be sticking to the script. But we ain't. Because <laughs> that's just not what we do. It's your girl, Tim Bam, y'all. And it's AJ Hey, And we're giving a whole bunch of good, bad advice. And a lot of bad, great <laughs> advice. <laughs> we're trying to teach you how to say when, how, and how much, y'all. Yes, sir. Now, that doesn't always have to apply to your sex life, ladies. It can absolutely apply to your career. Unless your sex life is your career, then it's interchangeable. <laughs> We're talking about a whole lot of sex. I love the sex. Hey, and a bunch of money. We love the money and relationships. Yeah, We're going to work on that. <laughs> so listen to our new show, We Talk Back, every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with more Halle Berry. And now you're going to be directing. 
Now let's talk from John Wick to <laughs> Bruised. I know. Tell us what Bruised is about. First and foremost, it's a love story between a mother and a son. But it's also a movie about um, a female MMA fighter. And it's about a woman um, at a stage in her life where she is needing desperately a second chance in mm. life or a last chance, really, in life. And it's got heart, it's got levity, it's got action. Chad is going to be my second unit director, my stunt coordinator. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, how lucky am I? That's pretty amazing. Right, it's amazing. So now are you starring as the MMA fighter? I am, I am. So what made this is the movie that you decided, I'm going to make my directorial debut? I didn't really set out to direct it. I set out to act in it. I read mm -hmm. the script and I loved it. And it was written at that time for a 22-year-old white woman and which obviously <laughs> can't be me um, but I was able to convince the producers that it should be me and why it would be more relevant in the times in which we're living if it were me and I talked about all the elements of the filmmaking what I saw in my head and they bought it they thought wow makes sense mm -hmm. so I set out to find a director and I met with lots of directors that I you know respect some young some old new been here a while and throughout the process what I realized was that nobody really saw the story that I saw in my head that I kept talking to the producers about that they loved. So finally, they, we just sat down one day and they said, why don't you do it? And I thought, I can't direct. This is a big acting role for me. I don't think I should be directing as well. And they gave me so much confidence and helped me realize that, but nobody understands it like you. Mm -hmm. It's storytelling and we definitely feel confident that you've got the story. And so I put that hat on for a week or so, and, and I thought about how that felt. And I realized after 25 years in the business, there is a lot I know about filmmaking. And I've never been the kind of actress that just goes to work, stays in my trailer, and says, call me when you're ready. Right. I've always been out, curious, in the world, with the crew, learning. And I thought, if I can surround myself with the best of the best, the Chads, a great DP, a great production designer, I think, yeah. So yeah, I think how, it's time. So how much training are you doing to play an MMA fighter? Well, my training just rolled over from John Wick. Say. I never left training. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in training for a year now. And so now the focus of my training is a little different. Um, I don't have to deal with worry about firearms and gun foo and some of the things I do for John Wick. It's now more, you know, Muay Thai, kickboxing, um, judo, wrestling. And you're an MMA fan? I am. Yeah, like I am. Before the movie. Before the movie. For probably about really? the last five years as MMA for women has started to emerge, I've always seen it as, you know, it's hard to think about women punching each other. It's not in our DNA. We're not wired that way, mm -hmm. really. But when I see women fight, one, I feel empowered to see women, you know, these badass women like handling it. And I also love that when I see women fight, we're much more emotional when we fight. And so I always love their fights for that reason, I love, they're more exciting to me. I f have a sense of feeling like anything can happen with a woman because we come from that emotional place. I love what you just said is it was a 20-something-year-old white woman, but you were able to say, you know what? A not 20-something-year-old white woman should be playing this role. Has yeah. that changed? Do you think you would have been able to do something like that back 25 years ago when you started saying, hey, you see that for a white woman? I think it's for me. I couldn't even get, I mean, I was just the token when I first started. Yeah. I was on a lovely television show where I was just the, I would start the scenes, hello, everybody, and I would end them, come on, let's go. <laughs> like, that was my part. And and at the time, I was happy to be there and because there weren't places. 
No, it was a oh. show called Living Dolls. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. At the time, though, as, as, as odd as this sounds coming out of my mouth right now, I was kind of happy to be there because women of color weren't really working, you know? So to be sitting here now realizing that, you know, I was able to create this opportunity for myself lets me know for sure, you know, it's a new day. But an African-American woman still hasn't won a Best Actress Oscar since you. I know. That's heartbreaking. If I had that answer, I would do something about it. Mm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. And it's not because African-American women aren't turning out performances that are worthy. That's for sure. You know, I'm not alone in that. So I don't don't really know. And you're working with one of my favorites, Lena Waithe. Mm, yeah. Now talk about times have changed. Times have changed, a right? Black, yes, butch, I know. lesbian. I know. It's amazing. Isn't it great? It's unreal. Yeah. yeah. I sit there as a little gay. I think of myself as a little gay boy. Like nothing like that appeared. Yeah, nothing. And and if it appeared, it wasn't empowered no. like she is. You know, boomerang. When are we going to see Baps? But oh my series? god. Do you know, <laughs> so many people have been asking me that. <laughs> like, My friend texted me. He's like, you have to ask her about BAPS. I want more BAPS. Oh, I know. I love that movie, too. It's, would, you, it's, would you want to do a reboot? See, come back. Um, no, not, not <laughs> me. You know, so, you know, I wasn't so sure about a Boomerang reboot, right. honestly. I mean, Lena came to me and we talked about it. And my first response was, hmm, I don't, I don't know about that. And I said, if we can re-envision it in a new way, and it was very much about, for me, not having the old... Ca- I'm like, nobody wants to see us come trotting in there. Like, right. that moment has passed. That story is no longer relevant. But if we could frame it um, with a story that's relevant today and make it make sense, then, yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. So this other story emerged. Um, I, I, the same thing would be true for BAPS, but I just don't think that story would would fly Today, I don't know where that, how that could be reinvented, right. really, and make it make sense. So, superheroes, you were part of the first, started this whole <laughs> X Men, man, and I was. Now we have Avengers that's making between three hundred and ten million or three hundred forty million opening weekend. They call that a bajillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they call it. Would you ever want to enter that world again? Um, you know, never say never. You know, I, who wouldn't want to enter a world that makes, you know, a bajillion dollars and obviously has so many fans. I mean, I'd be stupid to say no. Right. It just feels like right now I'm on a little bit of a different path and I'm really happy to be on. Because you you're know? doing real fighting. In the, in you're a, not doing the, CGI fighting. I know. The realness of it is what I'm really, and nothing against the other. I mean, that, those words have been good to me. It's just where I'm at right now and what my message is all about and being of a certain age, it's about dealing with ageism, um, racism, defying all the rules and telling people none of that matters. You can do exactly what you want to do. You can define who you are. And art, that number that gets tagged to us the day we're born really has very little to do with right. who we actually are and you know what our capabilities are. And then two last questions I ask everyone. When was the last time you cried watching a movie? Oh, I I put on movies just to cry. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those. Yeah, because you know what? I think this this kept me healthy. Mm. I really do. I think sometimes getting out your pain or you know what what your angst is really healthy to get it out. So sometimes I put on um, 
Kramer versus Kramer or The Notebook or Bridges of Madison County. Oh, that really gets my cry on. <laughs> I, and I just let it rip. Yeah. And I probably put on Bridges maybe two weeks ago. Um, I was looking at it as a director thinking of a certain part of my movie. So I was doing a little bit of research. And then all of a sudden, it sucked me in. She's in that car holding onto that handle and the Clint's in the rain looking like a wet puppy. And I'm like, go, go. And then she starts the voiceover and then the music starts. And then I'm just like, I'm a mess. And I love it. I just love it. And what's the one movie you can watch over and over again and it never gets old? I have so many. I'm going to say Terms of Endearment. I'm going to say terms of endearment, but I have about 20 I could rattle off. What? But terms of, en- I, I would stick with terms of endearment. She eats her medicine. I know. And some of my favorite performers are in that movie, which is probably why. W- women that mm-hmm. inspired my career that I wildly respect, that I know, that I love. And so that makes me feel really good and when I cry. see these. And I, and I always cry. <laughs> yeah, I cry. On that note, thank you. Thank you very this much. This is awesome. Feel Thank better. You. Thank you. That was Halle Barry. And we'll be back after a quick break with Elizabeth Moss. Ever thought you'd make a great switchboard operator or seltzer man or professional royal mistress? If old-timey jobs are your jam, we've got a podcast just for you. I'm Helen Hong. And I'm Matt Beat, and we host the new podcast, Jobsolete, taking a look at jobs that used to be a thing and now... Not so much. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts. But don't take our word for it. Find Jobsolete on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Lancaster, South Carolina is in the middle of not much. But growing up nearby, I knew it as the hometown of a black man named Jim Duncan who became a Super Bowl hero. Duncan up to the 15. Now my new podcast, Return Man, I'll discover that his death still makes no sense at all. The story was that my brother went into the police station, took a gun off a police officer, and shot himself in the head. Most people don't believe that. For the past three years at the Rock Hill Herald, I've looked back at a story that's timelier than ever. Breaking news. Don't shoot! Have you got some time to talk? It involves race, the mental state of the person, and a town that was scared to death to say anything. Listen to Return Man on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you took away the date and time, could you imagine that happening today? Yes, you can. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin, now Elizabeth Moss. I caught up with the star of The Handmaid's Tale at South by Southwest earlier this spring, just after the premieres of her latest movies, Us and Her Smell. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I am here with Elizabeth Moss. Not that you really need any introduction, but you know what? I'm going to do a little introduction. I mean, it is, you know, radio or... It is, or, right. So... Podcast radio. It, oh, yeah. The kids <laughs> call it podcasts now. <laughs> um, Elizabeth Moss originally wanted to be a dancer, but you started acting pretty early on. You made your acting debut when you were only eight years old on an NBC t- uh, TV miniseries. Um, and then, of course, you went on to play President Bartlett's daughter on West Wing, Peggy Olsen on Mad Men, and June Osborne, of course, Handmaid's Tale. You've won Emmys, Golden Globes, nominated all around the town, and most recently, seen in Jordan Peele, what everyone is calling a masterpiece, the new horror masterpiece, um, Us. And then comes Her Smell. 
So let's talk about her smell. All right, so that's good. We did we did it, right? We did it. I think that, that was, was a great good. podcast. I think we're done. <laughs> did I leave anything out? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, her smell. Um, you play a rock star, a riot girl who is just, you know, a total drug addict. Um, and I will say it was tough to watch in a good way. Yeah. Because it was so real. Thank you. You, you know, I'm sober myself, so I know all about that stuff. Yeah. Um, how did you even prepare to play someone so um, so addicted, so selfish, so, and as much as they're selfish, they're also very self-aware, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, there was a lot in the script, uh, so that was, that was my main map, honestly, mm-hmm. a lot, it was all in the script. Right. Um, all of that dialogue is scripted. Um, there was no improv, you know, yeah. so it was it was all in the script. Uh, I did speak to um, a sober person who who that was extremely helpful. She um, that was the probably the most helpful thing. She was very open. She was very honest with me and really shared some personal stuff. And um, that really helped with understanding the cycle of the abuse uh, of drugs and just the this feeling that that Becky has and that a lot of um, addicts have where, you know, you just can't get enough and it's not working anymore and so you take more and then that's not working anymore and so you have to take more. And um, that's something that was extremely, extremely helpful, the idea of, uh, you know, you've heard the phrase chasing the high and it really is a real thing. And so that was was something that I um, found extremely helpful and very grateful to her for opening up to me. and then it was just a lot of, uh, you know, I watched a lot of documentaries, not even just, you know, punk or Riot girl stuff, but like watched, um, you know, Amy, the Amy Winehouse documentary, watched uh-huh. Marilyn Monroe stuff, um, Kurt Cobain, just anything I could get my hands on to try to understand uh, that scene, the world of drugs, the world of... Um, that kind of music and also just that fame being that very particular type of situation where you're extremely famous uh extremely popular and also you're at you're at your highest sometimes when you're at your lowest Mm -hmm. and your lowest when you're at your highest (laughs) (laughs) so you know that was um that was a i did a lot of work for quite a few months on it how do you what i think the movie does a really good job and you know there there are movies like this that sort of almost glamorize you know, the rock and roll lifestyle and the drugs and the excess and, yeah. you know, and then they get sober and all is good. Right. You guys avoided that. It was Thank really, you. it was, it was real. Thank you. Well, one of the things that was really important to us was to establish that, you know, it's not like that. Right. You don't go to rehab for 30 days or 28 days and then you're fine. And everything's okay, and you never do drugs again, and everyone's happy. You know, it's, and it's not like that. Relationships are ruined. Um, work life can be ruined. Uh, you know, there's a lot of consequences. And I believe that Becky went back to rehab after the movie many more times before she actually was able mm-hmm. to get um, truly sober. So, and, and also there's a, there's a part of the film where she's sober, and it was important to me to not have 
her be all of a sudden this perfect person who was um, completely stable and had her shit together and was everything was totally fine all of a sudden and all her relationships were back and everything was wonderful. Um, it was important to me that she'd still be on really, really shaky ground uh, and her sobriety is very new to her and that she doesn't quite have a handle on it yet and her um, relationships with her friends, her ex-husband, her child are still extremely damaged mm -hmm. from what she did to them. And she's dealing with those consequences, and so uh, as well as the consequences on her career. Um, so that I, I'm glad that you said that because it was very important for us to not be like. And now she's sober, and everything's fine. And look, she's gonna have like her reunion show, and everything's gonna be amazing. Like, no, I think that she, you know, falls off the wagon and has to go back to rehab like six more times, and eventually probably does get sober. But I think it takes a long time, and so that was important to me. What do you say? What do you say to people who say this is the Courtney Love story? I get it because obviously there's another blonde rock star that's very famous, um, and there aren't many. <laughs> uh, so you know there aren't many female rock stars. <laughs> um, she's also from the same era of music, but that was 100% never uh, my intention or Alex's. Um, if we wanted to make a, a movie about Courtney, we, you know, would have, I've met Courtney, mm. we would have talked to Courtney and made a movie about Courtney <laughs> and seen if she wanted to do that. Um, but this isn't her story. If anything, um, you know, Alex based it a lot on Axl Rose. Um, I based it on Becky. Yeah. I based it on Becky. If anything, it's, I, I based it more on Kurt Cobain. Mm. Um, you know, if anything, I drew more inspiration from, from that. You know, I think that uh, it was really important to us to have it not be about any specific person and have it have it be uh, have her be her own character right. um, because then it gets muddy and it gets you know that's just not the story we right. were telling um, I think it would be an interesting story but it's not the one we were doing so uh, I, I get it but I think it's a, a symptom of the fact that you know one of this one of the themes of the movie and one of the things that's very true about grunge and punk and all of that is that there aren't that many really famous female bands um and you know that's unfortunate uh and there's because there there are some and they're really good you know so it's uh, uh, so i get it but it's not um and i and i think i think she would know it's not right. that <laughs> um obviously the movie does touch on fame and excess and you know when you're famous you're throwing a lot of things and a lot of people just say yes to you. You just started off in the business young. How did you avoid it? I was never famous. Mm. Um, you know, I was never, nobody really knew who I was. I had like little teeny bits of something from Girl Interrupted or from West Wing. Right. And then Mad Men really kind of um, changed the game for me a little bit. But by then I was, although it doesn't sound that old, by then I was 23, 24. Um, it's oh, a big difference, yeah. and and so I think I, I I say this a lot actually. The fact that I wasn't famous at a young age when I wasn't fully formed mm. as an adult, uh, if that ever happens, <laughs> um, I think was my saving my saving grace. Mm. You know, I was able to grow up in in not in the spotlight. Also, I grew up. I'm I'm the generation that didn't have Instagram. That we didn't have Twitter. We didn't have that kind of thing. Like when I was a, a tween and a teen. Um, I mean, I think it, I had MySpace when, like, I was 20, 
22 maybe you know so it was like you no know, friendster oh I friendster <laughs> but you had, we, did, we would go to like a, a web place you know to check your with circle yes to check your friendster <laughs> and check your messages so I'm very grateful that I did not grow up um in in that world um did you learn to play the guitar piano it was your singing what's your musical background and all yeah um I can sing so that luckily was taken care of um, but I did have to listen to a lot of music and try to get into the uh, it's a idea voice. it's a particular yeah. voice exactly so I try to kind of get into that but um, I did train on the guitar for about five months which is not enough to learn the guitar <laughs> um, my whole family are musicians so right. I have a huge amount of respect for it and I understand that it doesn't you don't learn how to play the guitar in five months um, but I learned how to play the songs that I had to play in the movie, or at least look like I was playing them, which was the most important thing. Uh, unfortunately, when you have to look like you're playing them, you end up actually just learning how to play them. Um, but I, I couldn't play like at the tempo of the actual song. Right. But I can move my fingers and move my hands uh, to the right places. Right. Um, you just should probably not plug in an amp because it probably doesn't sound very good. Um, but I, you know, I, I. The piano song I did have to learn um, because that's like one take, right? Um, and I have and to actually play it. Oh, Ooh. thank you. Um, but I learned a super simple version of the song. You know, it's <laughs> not the there are is. no bells and whistles. Right. It is like could not be more simple because Becky's not a pianist. Tell, um, tell us what the song was. Yeah. Uh, Heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Brian Adams. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the movies take place in the '90s. Remember, people. <laughs> but it's a heartbreaking scene. Thank you. Um, so, I do have to ask you about us, of course. Oh sure. I can't give. I'm not going to give spoilers, but there is a scene where you make noises. Um, See, I can't give spoilers. I don't want to give it away. It's it's a really hard movie to talk about because there are movies where you could give spoilers and you don't feel bad. Right. Us is the kind of movie like you don't want anyone to go in knowing anything. Anything, right. And also the most interesting part about my part in the movie I can't talk about. Right. I can only tell you the most boring part. So basically, we're done with yeah, talking about so us. That's us. <laughs> I can talk about the movie in general, right. which I think is, uh, you know, I think it's that definitely, you know, being talked about as a as a a very scary film and a horror film. My experience seeing it for the first time actually last night um, and that I've been talking to people about uh, is that I do to me to put it in that genre, to put it in one category is, is, is so limiting. It is, is so inaccurate. It's, it's, to me, it's 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 almost like like more like a Kubrick film or a Tarantino yes. movie, or it's you know it's it's Hitchcock. or Hitchcock yeah. exactly. It's like how do you categorize that? It's suspenseful. It's, you don't. Someone you said don't. someone. I told someone I saw it, and they're like, "Well, I'm not really a fan of horror movies." I'm like, "Then this you're is, then you're fine." This isn't a horror movie yeah. where you're just gonna go and just be scared for the sake of being scared. No, you're gonna walk out, and you're gonna be like. What just happened? And I need to see it again. And I need to see it again. Yeah. Exactly. Like I've read the script, was involved in the movie. I need to see the movie again. <laughs> um, you know, it, the the themes are so interesting. It's so dense. It's so complicated. Yeah. It's it's uh. it's it's hilarious. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, beautifully acted by Lupita and, and Winston and the kids. And and you know, it's it's beautifully shot. It's it's truly, I think, a masterful uh, work by him. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like yeah, and sure, it is really scary. But the, um, but to categorize it like that, no, I think is just so unfair, yeah. you know. So, talking about scary, *Handmaid's Tale*. Yeah, which I watch. <laughs> now that's a horror movie. <laughs> I watch. I watch it when my husband goes to bed. 
because it's too hard for him to yeah. watch. So I watch it late at night, which is kind of twisted. Yeah. How many seasons could Handmaid's Tale go for? Gosh, I don't know. Um, I really don't. And we talk about that. Yeah. We do with that. That's definitely a conversation that, that, you know, the creators of the show and the producers have. Um, I think there is a, uh, there's more to say. There's, there's definitely more story to tell. Um, Bruce Miller told me that in the new season, um, June isn't scared anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that um, her threshold for that world, Mm. what she can take, what she can do, what she can see. Oh, they're approaching. What she can see and witness and still survive is gotten so extremely high. And... um, she has become fearless in, in a lot of ways. I think as well, she, uh, how did I say? There's quite the journey, I think, that she makes this season to get to the place where she has to, where she realizes what she has to do mm-hmm. um, and what she actually has to accomplish, uh, which we're getting at right now where we are in the season. Mm-hmm. But there's a real journey that she has to get to get there and she kind of has to... Um, sometimes you have to sort of lose yourself and lose your mind a little bit in order to find that that genius. And um, I think that's a little bit of what June has to has to go through. And uh, there's a lot of political versus personal. Um, June has to kind of realize that it's not just about her, and it's not just about Nicole, her daughter, and it's not just about Hannah. Right. That there's actually a bigger game to play. And I think that's that's what we're getting into right now in the season and it's really fun and really exciting <laughs> and you're it's, smiling so I, I, hard right I now. love it so much <laughs> it's so much fun to do and and it's really it's really all-consuming and um we've done six up ep- seven eight, eight episodes and um the other night i watched uh, i've seen them but i watched one to four mm. just to kind of get an idea of what we were we were tonally overall in those first four episodes and I really was I was so excited about it and they're they're so much more um complex they're much deeper they're very uh the relationships are very complicated there's a certain um yeah there's just a certain complexity in season three that I think is really interesting as opposed to one and two uh it's this gray there's a lot of gray areas uh, in the world, and I think that June is, is you know, dealing with that. Navigating that. Yeah. And then last question before you go, West Wing, when are we going to see a reunion? <laughs> uh, that's not up to me. <laughs> would you do it? Of course. I would love to. I would love to. And it's been, you know, I mean, as you know, Brad is on my show yep. now, <laughs> and um, I just adore working with him, He's and I, and I always have. He's awesome. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, up to, that's up to smarter people than than me Maybe but um you could be president in the reunion oh my god that would be cool right let's do it i think alice jenny should be president oh yeah you know i what? think she should okay. just actually be president though <laughs> <laughs> well elizabeth moss thank you so much thank you very much appreciate I mean, you it you just have so much going on um and i love talking to you and i wish i could keep talking to you but i know you have to run same i kind of awesome. want to stay here and talk to you more <laughs> well, stay here. my life is not my own <laughs> thank you very much appreciate it Coming up next week, Keanu Reeves on all that crazy stunt work he's still doing as John Wick. 
plus his surprise pitch for another speed movie with Sandra Bullock. All that and more coming up next week on The Big Ticket.